Hi, I'm Allison Bukowski, and this is The Customer X-Files. I'm delighted to bring my years of marketing experience to the amazing community that supported me throughout my career. My passion has always been elevating the customer to the focal point of all marketing initiatives, and I'm proud to now lead a marketing organization with a truly customer-led approach. Each episode, I'm joined by an incredible thought leader within the marketing industry, generous enough to share their insights, knowledge, and experience with all of us. Brought to you by the PeerSpot Network, nothing is off limits. And just as our industry continues to evolve, so will this podcast. We will feature guests in live Q&A sessions, panel discussions, and more. So let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Customer X-Files. I, of course, am Allison Bukowski. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, today, we're going to dive into pairings and, and favorites or not favorites, for example. So there's certain things we use the term better together a lot to describe partnerships and alignment. And there's certain things that just go better together, uh, PB&J, Bert and Ernie, and yes, I'm here to say that customer marketers and demand generation professionals are better together. It feels logical that these two marketing functions should be closely aligned, but in my experience, sometimes that's far from the truth. Even though we're on the same team, we have different goals and different areas of focus. And sometimes that leaves us at you know a, a source of friction or out of sync or out of communication with each other, which is unfortunate because we really are better together. And I'm extremely excited today to have Joe Kevins with me, the director of demand gen at PartnerStack. is also the founder of B2B SaaS Reviews. With over 10 years of experience in the B2B tech industries, he's worked at companies like Eloqua, Influitive, and of course, PartnerStack, and has an education in marketing and a lot of experience on the front lines of business development. So he's really curious, which is one of the things that I think we initially you know, clicked on, this curiosity about what makes B2B SaaS buyers tick. And that curiosity has led him often to the voice of the customers. And he leverages it in his day job as a demand gen marketer, which is music to the ears of, of customer marketers that are listening, and also writes about it. Uh, he has a blog, B2B SaaS Reviews. If you haven't checked it out, make sure that you do so. So Joe, Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you being here. Of course. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Allison. It's a pleasure to be here. So you and I have, uh, we've collaborated a bit in the past, but we haven't known each other that long, but I immediately sort of, you know, glommed onto, I want to, I want to do this. I want to talk about demand gen and customer marketing, which some people, Ooh, that's a dangerous topic, but I think share a little bit with us, if you will, about how you got started in marketing, your exposure to these different worlds. And I think it'll be very obvious why this is going to be a great conversation. Yeah. So for me, I, I, I studied marketing at, at college. And for me, I was really interested in that intersection of psychology, consumer behavior. Um, and then when I got into the real world, the, the working world, I started um, in the front lines in business development roles. And I think it was really back in 2011 when I was a BDR at Eloqua that I first kind of realized the power of the voice of the customer because at the time I was fielding inbound leads and what I was seeing, I would see good and bad leads, but the best leads were the ones that came from a trusted 
third-party source. So at the time, it was the Gartner Magic Quadrant, and it was review sites. Um, and it was still early days for review sites, but they've come such a long way from then. But it was really just seeing that the buyer really wanted to hear from um, the peers more so than the vendor. So that was kind of the first the first experience that I had where I was I realized the benefit of the the voice of the customer. Then I think second phase I I then worked in B two B services for a while, and there it's all about the relationship and being a trusted advisor to the customer. Um, and there, I, you know, funny enough, I think I I I saw what the lack of customer voice for a marketer could do, where either sales is protecting it and doesn't want to um, share it, say in, in marketing, they want to keep it for when they engage with a with a with a buyer, not have the com the competitors kind of see see what they're sharing. Oh, I think also the other point on that was with customer um, with the voice of the customer. If you're a marketer that doesn't have access to voice of customer at a company, do you realize what it could do? If you just imagine for a second stripping away all of the the case studies, testimonials, et cetera, from your content, you just realize how much tougher it is to be a marketer. So I think that was the second phase for me of realizing how important this was. Third phase, most recently, um, I worked at Influitive for a year in demand gen. So there I naturally saw the intersection of customer marketing and demand gen, um, drank the Kool-Aid. And ever since then, um, I've worked in demand gen roles in other B2B SaaS companies. And I've really just kind of seen the the power firsthand in demand gen of leveraging that voice to the customer, be it through case studies, testimonials, reviews, et cetera. Um, so I, I think that led me to most recently writing about it on B2B SaaS reviews. Um, just trying to basically share that experience uh, and learning along the way. Um, and in large part, um, to kind of bring these two uh, functions together, um, demand gen and customer marketing, and how can we how can we do this better together? I, I love that. And it's, it's very interesting to me that you, I mean, you took it so far as to you have, you know, the blog and you've, you've really doubled down on how that customer voice is helpful. And we can talk a little bit too about the ways that you've leveraged it in your demand gen role. And I think if not today, when we get together and we do the, the peer panel, having those examples mm -hmm. is always really helpful uh, for people in the audience. And it, now obviously listeners know why I'm so excited to have this conversation. And I'll call it a conversation, even though, as you and I have joked, we might get make it into a little bit of a debate <laughs> here and there. Yeah. But but that's kind of the point, right? To bring these sort of, you know, maybe the stereotypes or you know some of the common misconceptions and perceptions of these two roles. And so we'll talk about that. Let's dive into that. But of course, you're not off the hook because every single guest gets the people before professionals icebreaker question. So I'd love to hear what your favorite better together combo is, um, maybe like personally first, and then uh, I'd love to hear professionally what you think. And I think that'll be a launch pad into our discussion. Yeah. So personally, uh, for me, uh, it's it's gin and tonic. Um, hate them separately. Love them together. I think that's that's the best way to 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 make something better together. Um, oh. I'll let you stay, even though I'm not 
I'm a vodka girl, not a, uh, a gin girl. So when you ask the martini question, I would say that vodka and olives, um, because a dirty martini is my one of my favorite better together combinations. But it's okay. See, we're already we're friends, but yeah, we're not. So we'll we'll go with it, Joe. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a first point of friction, and we can we can debate the merits of gin and, and vodka after. <laughs> um, yeah, and then professionally, so I, I think it's. It's coincidental that we, we bring up kind of better together examples because at Partner Stack, we actually named the office meeting rooms um, along these lines. So Batman and Robin, mac and cheese, uh, pancakes and syrup, it kind of have the the, the gamut. Love it. But um, yeah, I think for me professionally, like one example that I found at Partner Stack uh, better together is um, really working with uh, a third party uh, media site or media company to get better together when we do something like a virtual event. So if we do say a, a webinar on our own, um, we could just make it so much better if we partner up with a third party. So we've worked closely with uh, a media company called Partner Hacker. Um, and when we do it together, um, we I think we made the uh, one of the largest events in, in B2B partnerships. And they wouldn't have been able to do it on their own. We wouldn't have been able to do it on our own. So um, it, it's great when that kind of, um, when you find that that partner that you can kind of come together with and be better together. Yep, that that's a great example. And that's really what this is all about. I think at the heart of our discussion today that we really are, what you know, the old expression, the, the sum is greater than its parts or whatever it is. Um, when you put that together and we don't have to lift the world on our shoulders on our own. And I think that sometimes mm -hmm. that I'll use that as a segue here between customer marketing and demand gen, that there's this like chasm between the two. And we seem just obsessed with like doing the lift all, all on our own. So I'm really, I'm curious, let's just talk about that for a second. Why, why is there such a gap and I, I'm in a position now where I have the luxury and the privilege of working with both, um, you know, demand gen side of the, of the house and then the customer marketing side of the house. And there's definitely a gap. Why? Why, why is it? Um, how can two groups that are in the, they're on the same team not collaborate uh, at all or not do it effectively? Yeah, so if, I guess from my point of view, I, I see it almost in three, three um, groups. So... I think the first group, I see it as supporting different functions. And again, this kind of varies from time to time, but sometimes we're, we're aligning to different functions, spending more time supporting other functions. Um, the other group I would say is kind of um, the orientation of metrics versus experience, the quantitative and the qualitative. Mm -hmm. um, we'll, we'll dig into that. We'll dig into that one, yeah. I think it's customer marketing is making huge strides every guest on your podcast has mentioned metrics which is great so like it's leaps and bounds from what it was even just a few years ago um but i still think they're they're you know it's continuing to kind of bring them together and the third i think i don't know if it's long term versus short term or kind of being tacticians versus strategists or idealists versus realists but i think there's some something there about uh potentially a bit of a bit of tension there about the demand gen approach to like the customer typical customer marketing approach so those are the three i that i see but um what, what do you see what, how do you see the the why here you know i i agree with you on on those three topics and i think it's a good way to kind of 
bucket this. Um, you know, a lot of times it does kind of come down to, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the metrics, but then also I think that what you're trying to get at with the long-term versus short-term is sort of what I call the, oh, the warm and fuzzy of customer marketing versus like, mm -hmm. like I've got a pipe and I have to fill it. This is not, yeah. you know, time for, and I think that creates some sort of, you know, for, I mean, I've certainly been told like, oh, how nice for you, customer marketers, you just get to like, you know, hang out with customers, give them gifts and make them feel good, which I love that that gets to be part of that particular role. And then also I think the support, but let's start there because I would, I would argue that I agree, but I think there's a, a transition there. So what what do you typically see? I mean, I assume you're kind of lean on like the sales CS divide here. Am I right? Yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, demand gen typically, um, in my experience, um, skews to sales. And then I've seen customer marketing skew to customer success. Now, and if both, if demand gen's focused on sales support, customer marketing's focused on CS support, then there is that divide and there's kind of that lost opportunity to be better together. So um, we, you and I were talking about aligning to the revenue org and the revenue org, yep. meaning sales, customer success, marketing, ops. Um, and I think there's, there's probably something there where demand gen needs to get better about thinking beyond just supporting sales and then customer marketing can be better about um or, or I shouldn't say all customer marketers, but some that are like very like CS oriented um, to come together and, and be better together. It's it's about really identifying the internal stakeholders that you could support with your initiatives to generate more revenue and finding a way to use your very limited time and resources to to support each of them. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that you that that's the, the perception that um, customer marketing or advocacy supports CS um, primarily because it's interesting. I think a lot would say, no, we, we support sales. And I think that's mm -hmm. very telling, right? Where I think some of this friction comes from just understanding of the roles mm -hmm. and what those goals are within those roles. Like you said, um, you know, it, it kind of depends. I think more what it comes from is the fact that it's with demand and it's like net new right? It's driving the leads for net new and mm -hmm. maybe within, you know, the CMA function, it's also renewals and things like that. So that could be where the CS factor comes in. But mm -hmm. uh, when I, when I stepped into my role leading marketing at, at PeerSpot, I made the case for aligning with revenue. Um, there were other places where definitely marketing can sit. And a lot of times it's, it's its own, it's standalone, but mm -hmm. We, you know, made the decision and I pushed for underneath our revenue org, which has sales, customer success, now marketing and operations, so that there is a parallel line across these groups so that we are all communicating and it's a lot easier to communicate because we've aligned KPIs. So I am just as responsible for contributing to the number as sales or as CS. And I think that was the aha moment of we really are better together, not to, you know, keep, keep beating a dead horse with that phrase, mm -hmm. but because we're working together and we have the same goals, those are the two pieces that I think need to happen. And it was definitely a light bulb moment for a lot of other people in the org. Yeah. I think the more we can think of 
ourselves as as a revenue team, I think the the better the better off we'll be. And I also think it's, you know, I think my experience of seeing customer marketing skew to CS um, does have its limits. You know, I think um, listening to your your podcast um, when you had Jeff Gable on, you know, he was talking mostly about supporting sales and it was reference oriented. So I think every every customer marketing um, an advocacy program has a has a different approach as well, um, and I think when it comes to kind of working with demand gen, it's it's really just kind of the two functions coming together to figure out what are their top priorities and how could they kind of support and potentially, um, yeah, basically work together to achieve each other's goals as well. Yep, I, I agree, and I and I think that kind of gets into the metrics piece, right? Um, yeah. Because if you're if you're supporting um, demand gen, which even I'll say very quantitative, I mean very numbers driven, and you said you mentioned right customer marketing more qualitative. So talk a little bit about that, just in your experience, and be very open and honest because I think this might be one of the bigger friction points um, between the two groups. Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, the demand gen point of view here. Is, is that like sales, we're always on the hook and under the under the gun for numbers and numbers right now. Like, what are you doing to help us get more revenue right now? The longer term view is, what are you doing this quarter? And I think the, the point of friction there it can be with customer marketing, um, playing the long game, building relationships, doing, doing what is in the best interest of the, the long-term success of the advocacy program. But the friction comes by having that kind of uh, almost luxurious position, if I could say, of, of taking that, that long view where demand gen sales, um, they just can't. Like if, I know lots of salespeople that see themselves as relationship builders, but I don't know of any that can go uh, up, report up and say, you know, I'm, way off my number, but, you know, I'm, I'm building some really good relationships <laughs> here. Um, it's, uh, you know, the relationships are a means to an end. They have to lead to the results. So I think that that could be a bit of the the friction where, you know, a demand gen marketer, if we hear a customer marketer, just talk about the qualitative, about how amazing the experience is or how it strengthened the relationship without the metric or without the how this how this kind of is leading to um, something that will help the business. I think that's where there's a bit of frustration, and you hear like in you hear those comments like, "Oh, you just get to to have fun with customers." Like, must be nice. And I think that's where there's a bit of bit of that friction and resentment, probably. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna toss a a loaded question your way, okay. um, and then a comment. So you mentioned something uh, as you were talking about you know, customer marketers um, being focused on kind of the success of the, the program, right? Which which seems very self-serving. Um, and I would say, do you, is it the viewpoint of demand gen? And I know you can't speak for every single demand gen professional out there that mm -hmm. the relationship building is not an integral part of the long-term success of the company? No, I don't think anyone would disagree with that. I think it's it's more so how can we get value while we're building that relationship? Yep. Okay, I think fair. that's where the, the difference tends to be. Like, I think the demand gen would probably skew to asking too much too often. 
Um, and I think one thing demand gen marketers don't get because it's it's different. Um, customer marketers they can only ask; they only have so many customers that they can ask for things, and there's too many things they could ask them. So advocacy fatigue is real, and they have to be like very very intentional about what they ask. Whereas demand gen, you know, there's plenty of fish out in that total addressable market sea, right? So, yep. I mean, we don't have that same limitation. So I think at times we don't get each other because demand gen is thinking like, why don't you just go ask for the review or the referral or the reference? Like, you know, what what's the reservation? But I think that that's like, um, that's a knowledge gap, I think, on the demand gen side. So I think, but then I think where the middle ground is, you know, if we take an example, like if we're if we're throwing a, a user conference, um, and it's the first one, if if the view is, you know, let's let's just make it an amazing experience, like the long term, um, the long term view here is we need to build a relationship that's going to help the company um, retain more customers expand get new customers etc in the long term but i think in, in the short term if there aren't some kind of asks along the way or ways in which they can kind of get get the value in return that kind of give yeah. to get i think that's where there's a bit of friction and like uh, you know there's plenty of customer marketers that are great at doing that and finding that balance so um it is a generalization i think it's it's just one where at times it can be a bit of a frustration point or a yeah. disconnect for demand gen and customer marketing. Yeah. I think that's fair. And I think that that's a big, like a big tally mark in the column of this is why we need to have the discussions uh, because on, and, and hold on that customer conference thing. Cause I kind of want to like role play on that one in a bit, mm -hmm. but the, the, the metrics piece. And I think that this is, and I will, as will many customer marketers. Yeah. It's been up until recently, not as much of a focus, but now as that role and the importance of that role has expanded, it's not nice to have anymore. It's essential. And we've, mm -hmm. we've come a long way, but we aren't there. We aren't as disciplined and we should probably talk to our demand gen partners about, you know, how do we get better at this? And there's certainly, you know, those out there, like I know you've, you've chatted with, uh, with Leslie Barrett. Uh, recently, mm -hmm. um, does a great job, uh, has some great insights into that. A lot of us are mm -hmm. starting to try to tie to revenue. What what I would love to see and what I talk about uh, when it's about kind of bridging that gap is we we could help and it's, it's on us as customer marketers to reach out to you, demand gen partner and say, we actually do wanna measure our impact on revenue or pipeline influence. And we would like to do that by offering you this story or this quote, or can we have a campaign or a speaker? Because when we partner, that's how we can start showcasing. And then also you're getting value out of that. Mm -hmm. And I don't see a lot of those conversations uh, happening. I, I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I, I think so much of it starts um early on when a customer marketer joins a company, I think it's it's so important to get alignment on what does the business and the kind of key stakeholders at the more senior level, what do they want from this role? And that's a bit of a two-way street. I think customer marketers also need to, to effectively communicate, here's 
here's how we can help support the business goals. Um, and that kind of sets the foundation for your program. And then I, I think it might've been Annalise, um, but one of your previous podcast guests made a, a great point that because customer marketing also plays such a supporting role um, cross-functionally, um, it's as much about measuring your own program as it is about understanding how those you support measure theirs and getting a sense of what your contribution would mean to their success. So yep. for example, if we're talking customer marketing and demand gen, um, I think what what could help um, is basically if, if let's say demand gen goes to customer marketing and says, you know, we, we need a customer in this industry of this size. Um, we want to highlight them in, in an ad. Um, I think what would be great for customer marketers to do in that scenario would be great. Here's how we can help, but help me understand. Um, how would, how are you planning to measure the success of this? I, I want to understand it so I can help you, um, basically maximize success. You know, and they'll probably tell you about, you know, how they'll, they'll measure um, leading indicators, like how many people are clicking through it, how many leads come from it, pipeline revenue, et cetera. And I think the opportunity there is, you know, if you can have a conversation around, okay, so what's what would be the baseline for a typical ad that you're running like this? And can we run it in a way where, let's say we add in the customer um, in, in a new variant, can we see what what that kind of uplift would be? And I think in having that conversation, you're aligning to each other's goals, and you're also getting an opportunity to understand what what they're doing to measure the success, and also finding a way to see what the lift would be in in working together. So, yep. um, I don't, I haven't had a ton of those conversations, but I think more of those need to happen, and I. I I hope there's more of those in the future where they kind of, we, we kind of come together in that way. I, I think that's great. And for those that are listening, you know, I'm, I'm just jotting down a few notes here as far as, you know, I, I'm a big believer that you can learn while you do. Uh, I know that there's that metaphor, you know, you build the plane while you're flying it and, and you don't mm -hmm. want to do that all the time, but mm -hmm. I think it's okay to do that. And what I mean by that is, Hey, you know, my demand gen partner has like a real need here. Great. This is an amazing opportunity to ask those questions. And I think sometimes customer marketers and advocacy professionals just feel like they're very transactional and they don't get to be mm -hmm. as strategic as they want. Some of that is because of the nature of just like fulfilling, right? Like, yep, I need mm -hmm. that reference. Yep, I need that. Um, but it's mm -hmm. also on us. Like we need to take a step back and say, hold on. This is my opportunity to ask questions. I mean, you have someone who wants something from you. Work that to both of your advantages. And you called out excellent examples. Ask questions. What is the, the need? And then where is this going to go? And how is this going to be measured? Um, is it going to take up that much extra time? No. But is it going to make you that much more sophisticated and a better partner for both parties moving forward? Yes. Just my, my thought on that. Um, okay, so let, let's talk a little bit about the whole um, long-term, short-term, idealist, realist, you know, relationships versus the pipe, whichever one we mm -hmm. want to use as the comparison. Um, what, 
what are just some, we've, we've touched on this a little bit, but any additional mm-hmm. thoughts on that, on kind of where that friction might come from? I mean, I think it keeps going back to the metrics and the goals where if it's, if it's perceived as random acts of customer marketing and demand gen does it too, random acts of demand gen. Um, I think that's where there could be um, a bit of a disconnect from the of being intentional about we are doing this to achieve this goal. Um, and, and then I think it it could just kind of create the disconnect in the sense that then it's it's about the things that that feel right and like, okay, let's we're gonna go out and um, we have to develop this this relationship more. We have to go do these things that will take time and they're the right things to do, but I think sometimes to, to get the results in the short term, sometimes they are a bit of the more like uncomfortable things where it's, you know, maybe that maybe we don't have the strongest relationship or we'd like a stronger relationship to see if we can get something here. But, you know, it's 2023 in the SaaS industry and we need something right now. Um, and we, we kind of have to find a way to get it now. So. I can't quite put my finger on it, but I just feel like there is there is something there that we need to kind of find a way to come together um, and meet in the middle. I like that you you kind of alluded to that the uncomfortable can can be all right. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I usually say that if it if it's uncomfortable, it means it's probably worth it in the end. Mm-hmm. And I think also I'll I'll toss in like the the quality I'll quality and quantity kind of thing, mm-hmm. right? I think that that's yeah. an argument that happens between these two these two groups, and we've alluded to it in different ways, and it I think shows up in a lot of examples, right? You know, the relationships. That's what you know. We care about the strong relationships and the quality of those relationships. You know, from demand gen, it's like, but I have a very like real metric that I'm being measured against by how many leads you know I'm putting in, and I need to be able to deliver on that. Um, even things like like reviews, et cetera, right? We, I, I've seen mm-hmm. that. It's been a big part of my life ever since, you know, for over the last 20 years um, as a marketer. No, it's, you know, just get the numbers in. We need to see that. Um, do, you, do you think that that is part of it as well? Kind of that quality quantity thing? I think so. I mean, I, I think in demand gen and in sales, like we, we feel this too, this hamster wheel effect where, Typically, if you're starting from scratch, the view is, you know, you need to go from zero to one. So the first thing you're told to do is uh, basically go get started and you're going to be measured on output. They just want to know that if you've got zero reviews, go get us 10, 100, however many reviews to get started. Um, And I I think, and this is why the metrics piece that keeps coming back to it, it's so key. uh, If we, whatever function, we are customer marketing, demand gen, sales. If we can't show that what we're doing is leading to the desired end result of, of revenue, that's when there's a tension turned back on kind of the activity and the output. So for sales, if you're not hitting your quota, then there's a lot more uh, emphasis on you know the volume of emails and calls you're making. Demand gen, if you're not hitting revenue pipeline targets, then all of a sudden you have to go generate tons of leads. Um, and then I think for customer marketers, if we're talking reviews, if, if we can't find a way to tie the, the reviews to revenue, then it just becomes on the review front about output. And that's when you kind of get on the hamster wheel and the, the quantity the quantity game. 
Um, so, yeah, I think I think to kind of get off of it, it really does come down to figuring out how can you tie what you do to revenue. There's only so much time in the day. Most customer marketing teams are typically quite small, and there's lots of things they could do, lots of functions to support. Have to get really good at saying no, and have to be really good at aligning to to revenue. And I think you know, going back quickly to that demand gen example, you know, if you're a customer marketer and a demand gen person wants um, a, a customer example for an ad, if they can't help you understand how that's going to help impact revenue, that's a good um, reason to say no. Because yep. I I would that more than nine times out of 10, if you were to take that up the ladder to the C-suite, if you were to say, I didn't do this because it didn't align to revenue, you're not going to get pushback. Um, if you say, I did this other thing because it does align to revenue, here's how, that's yep. where you'll get buy-in and you'll kind of continually get supported for what you're doing. So it, I think we just have to, yeah. Yeah. So. And and I was just going to say, and, and bring the asks early, right? Um, we can... That's how you, you're strategic, right? And that's why I would love for customer marketing and demand gen to have regular meetings, not the interactions of I need this and I need it tomorrow kind of thing. That's how we feel yeah. often mm -hmm. is, oh, well, I got to get this campaign out the door, um, you know, we're, or we're doing a webinar or whatever, and we need to have it done. And then mm -hmm. there's that moment of the pressure of trying to deliver versus getting to, you know, ask those questions. And I, I appreciate you saying that you say no, if you can't, if someone can't show you the why, that it's okay. Like, then is it really something that we should be spending our precious resources on um, and making mm -hmm. asks? So if those conversations, if, if, if anyone listening decides, wow, I'm going to set like a quarterly even to have a conversation with demand gen, and maybe you're doing nothing right now, I'd be willing to say that they will take that meeting and have the conversation as long as, again, you're framing the conversation with how are we helping you achieve, you know, those, those goals and the whole quality and quantity thing. I think they're both correct. That's the thing, but they're correct at different times and mm -hmm. different times in the, in the buy-in cycle as well. Right. Whether and it has to do with, how are you communicating, right? Um, you're going to communicate much differently for top of funnel than you are when you've got somebody that's sitting mid funnel. Uh, I think reviews mm -hmm. work in that way as well. Like you want to make the short list, right? So you got to show mm -hmm. up. And if you have more reviews, that's nice. That helps you show up. But when you're low, lower in the funnel, then it, the quality piece comes in like, yeah, but I need where I can actually dig in and buyers are looking for that kind of media information. So I, I think they're both correct. I think what we don't do is look at when they are correct based on the buy-in cycle. So I completely agree. I think that that's, that's the way I, I look at reviews as well. I think it, that, that's great. And then on the, um, the internal relationship building side and taking it from transactional to relationship, I'd say, you know, the ideal is you, you join a company and when you do, you you reach out and you kind of start forming that relationship before the transactional asks come into play. But even if, if you're, you're in your role now and, and to your example, like if you're not working, customer marketing is not working with demand gen right now, um, yeah, reach out proactively to have the conversation. Um, 
and vice versa, demand gen should be doing this to customer marketing as well. Um, and it just goes a long way if you if you could start with a conversation that's relationship oriented rather than transactional, because I've made this mistake countless times where I've started with the transactional ask, and then you get off on the wrong foot, and it's very hard to recover from that. It's the the first impression is made, and the relationship is not formed. It's basically seen yeah. as just a transactional um, arrangement. So even just getting started with a relationship conversation that doesn't have a transaction can go a long way. That's perfect. I love that. And let's, um, so let's have a little fun before we, we close up and talk uh -huh. a little bit about a real example. Um, you brought up the, the customer conference earlier. Yes. So let's, let's use that. And I know listeners are always excited for tech, like, okay, great. But how do I, how do I do this? So mm -hmm. let's say in a perfect world, you, you did it right. You had a relationship conversation before a transactional one. Um, mm -hmm. You you know reached out, you talked to each other about like, hey, here's my goals for the quarter. Here's my goals for the year. Oh, great. There's an intersection here. We happen to know that this event, this conference for an external audience is something that is happening. You have some runway here to plan. And that's what we're going to discuss. How does D, how do DG and CM come together to do this? So I, I'd love you, of course, to take the, the DG perspective. Um, what mm -hmm. matters to you for this particular event? So going back to your point about DG often being responsible and on the hook for net new customer acquisition, that's often the case. And in this example, what we would want to see is uh, a mix of of people there beyond customers. So also prospects, partners, um, because what that can do is it takes it from just being about purely customer to customer conversations and broadens it um, to the, the kind of ecosystem of your company. And it shows how partners can come in and help, but it also, and this is what DG typically cares about an awful lot. How can we, how can we leverage this to show prospects how great we are to work with and how great our customer community is. And I think that's a point where you can kind of connect and, and find common ground here, but it could also be a disconnect. If the view is we don't want to um, quite open it up yet, then there will be some misalignment. Um, maybe that's okay. Maybe that's not the intention of the event. Maybe the goals are, are different. It depends how you're prioritizing it. Um, but I think that's how I would see the demand gen view of what matters um, in this kind of event. And and I would say that typically, you know, doing an event like this, and I'm a big fan of events like this, just for the record. Um, and I don't think it has to be either or. I think that DG is right mm -hmm. to come to the table and say, we have an opportunity here, right? This is and I personally think events are one of the best sales opportunities, even though I know sometimes CM can come and say like, hey, we need this to be an amazing experience for customers. I think where we get nervous is that if we open the door to to sales, um, mm -hmm. that they're going to mm -hmm. like, they're just going to push their way in. They're not going to walk mm -hmm. in. They're going to come in like a bull in a china <laughs> shop. and. Yeah try to sell to every human, you know, that they see, you know, that that's just where we're, I'm of course being dramatic, but I've seen it. Mm -hmm. And I yeah. think that's where the conversations come in because I would say that the best practice is um, 
you should have prospects at these events. And I will go to my grave saying that the best way to sell is let a customer sell on your behalf. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where these connections can happen. And that's what, what we what we want, right? We can deliver as customer marketers an exceptional experience for customers while also helping drive new revenue um, or even retention, right? Customers talking to customers, customers talking to prospects. Um, I just, two things I usually do when I put together an event like this. I watch the, I watch the, um, the ratio, right? Of mm-hmm. customers yep. to prospects. Um, I don't want that. I use like the 70, 30, 80, 20 rule. Um, so mm-hmm. it can still be a customer event, but it's okay to have some others in the mix. And then it's about communication. It's about making sure that sales or, or DG or whomever that they understand, hey, this is the goal of the event. So again, back to the goals and alignment and what we want and what we don't want. It's just as important to call out, please don't bring like, you know, your uh, like your PowerPoint printed out so you can sit and go through features and functionality of our products. That's not what we're after here. But what we would like is communication and conversations. So I, I think that's how we kind of solve for that. But that's why we, I think, get a little like, nervous and have heartburn about it yeah completely understandable and i love the ratio because i think that has that that sparks a great conversation where if one side is thinking 95 5 and the other side's thinking 50 50 that's when you have the conversation around why is that your ratio why does that matter try to understand the other side as best you can to see if there's kind of a middle ground there and maybe you land at 70 30 or 80 20 so i love that too kind of bring the the two groups together. I, I think on the sales being a bull in a China shop, um, one way to kind of address that, I, I think sales would generally just be happy if they can get their prospects at the event. So customers can sell them instead of them having to sell them. So again, on the ratio front, maybe it's just talking about how many, how many sales reps you'll actually have at the event. And I suspect a lot of them aren't so fussed about being there themselves as they are just they want their prospects to be there and in that in that sphere and then the last the last thought point i had was i think i think there's an opportunity with with these events if possible to set aside dedicated time or even a day where it's this is customers only customer only sessions customer only day so that you still do have that um opportunity for your customers to get together bond with one another, uh, be more open and transparent and basically all the benefits of it just being customers um, while still having an overall event that provides the benefits of bringing them together and the cross-pollination of of, um, customers and prospects coming together. Yep. And and I think that's two things that you called out that are really great that we should emphasize is you know, the, the fatigue is real, like for customers, even when you're doing great things for customers, right? Um, so you have to be careful about how much of their time they're they're taking up. But I think that when you, just as you said, if you're mindful of that and you are very thoughtful about how an event is organized so that there is some of that customer time and then it's a more o- open format, I think that that's great. I also think, um, and and you mentioned, you know, participation at the event. I agree. I think sales usually wants their pro- their prospects there. That's first. But they also want to be there. And I know mm-hmm. 
for a fact that we face that as customer marketers or advocacy professionals mm. where everybody wants to be there and you never yeah. want an event where it feels like you're doing it for your own employees. That just looks mm. bad, uh, to be honest. Mm. And so what I have used is, a, and actually it's worked out really well, is simply create a little competition, right? Because we want butts in seats. We want to have a successful event and we want people in attendance. So as far as selecting internal attendees, um, it comes down to who's on the list, who's coming. Mm. And I usually give up, I, I figure out what that ratio is and then the top two spots. So if you're a rep and you have the most prospects, you get to go. That's just how it works. Um, and that has worked out pretty well to help take a little pressure off of picking favorites. You just put, you know, DG professionals and sales, they love numbers, right? Metrics. So, well, mm -hmm. here it is. It's the top two slots with representation. So just that, that's just a note for the customer marketers out there. If you're having that's trouble. A great, that's a great note. I think that that's a, that's a brilliant way to do it. Um, and I think salespeople would respond well to that and kind of, um, rise to the the challenge. So yeah, really, really smart way to do it. And, and we could, I knew this was going to happen Joe. And I, I mentioned before we, we <laughs> got on the call today that we have so much more. I'm not kidding you guys. Like there's another two pages of things that we want to talk about and goals is, is one of those. Now, thankfully we've kind of woven that in here today during our discussion, but I'd like to end with a very succinct kind of look at the goals. Um, so from your perspective, Joe, when we talk about demand gen, you know, what are they? Like, what are the big goals that you want partners to know? Like, I'm sorry, this is what I get up in the morning and I have to focus on. Yeah, quite simply in, in order of importance, it's revenue, then pipeline, then leads. And it's in that order um, because that's, it, they're means to an end um, if you go the other way. Leads feed pipeline, pipeline feeds revenue, and ultimately the leads and pipeline only matter if it's generating revenue. And it it's um, it's quite simple for demand gen. I mean, that's what it almost always boils down to. So I think understanding where demand gen's at when it comes to, to goals um, tends to be fairly simple. I think for customer marketers, the one... Um, question to ask of your demand gen team is if they're just focused on net new customer acquisition or if it's full life cycle and also expansion opportunities with existing customers that would definitely uh, change the dynamic of the relationship and the opportunities to work together um, but i think for us in demand gen it's a lot simpler than customer marketing i think demand gen um, has a, a taller task to understand the customer marketing um, goals, which could be, could be many. Um, so yeah, um, I'd love to hear your take on on the customer marketing side. It it does get a little bit um, gray at times, and some of it has to do with where is marketing sitting in the org, where spe specifically is customer marketing, and sometimes advocacy sits in a different place in the organization. So. Um, but to try to kind of simplify, and this this may surprise surprise you. Yes, number one is improve and strengthen relationships. Uh, that's a big piece of it. I will never go away from that. It will al always be on my list of goals. But then drive net new revenue. 
by using voice of the customer and then reducing churn by you know accomplishing the the first one we leverage the relationships we can get ahead of renewal we can reduce churn and maybe even improve some upsell or some cross-sell opportunities so believe it or not we we do have our our revenue hat on um when we're looking at what we're trying to accomplish it's just sometimes the ways that we go about accomplishing it um can can get a little murky and we need to do better about that as far as drawing lines in the sand making it more black and white whatever analogy um you want to use so i and i think that you and i had talked about and and hopefully today it, it's this how do we meet in the middle kind of thing and there's a lot here that we can unpack and i'd love to talk more about goals and alignment and measurement so you graciously agreed uh, you'll join me for a peer panel and yep. we're also going to invite um leslie leslie barrett has agreed to join us um, she's got some amazing insights and uh, resources on metrics specifically for customer marketing and then bringing in you know another dg or maybe even a product product marketer into the mix so that we can start to break down some of those barriers so that's the plan if you're willing to go on the adventure with me joe very yeah i'm, I'm excited for it i think i'd love to unpack and kind of continue the conversation on a lot of these fronts and i think understanding how improving and strengthening relationships with customers can lead to those net new revenue opportunities and reduce churn and all the business benefits. I think there's there's so much potential value there. Um, customer marketing could and arguably should be much bigger uh, than it is today in, in the role of the growing a company. And I think the better we can find a way to to tie those two together, the the farther the the function will go. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to be to be part of it. Awesome. And dare I say, we will continue this and we will be better together. But for now, <laughs> uh, we'll we'll close. Thank you, Joe. Really, this was a treat, just as I knew that it would be. Um, and thankfully, we get to we get to have another chat here in a couple of weeks, which is exciting. And everyone else out there, you know, if you enjoyed this, feel free to share it out. You can watch on LinkedIn for the update on when we'll do that peer panel discussion. And until then, have a wonderful day. Thanks, everybody. Thanks again for joining us. Don't forget to follow me, Allison Bukowski, on LinkedIn, where you'll find information about upcoming episodes, Q&A sessions, and live panel discussions with our guests. Customer X-Files is brought to you by PeerSpot, the authority on enterprise technology. The PeerSpot buying intelligence platform is where tech professionals go to get the most reliable information on enterprise tech so they can be sure that what they buy is exactly what they need. Powered by a community of over 650,000 enterprise tech professionals who share expertise, PeerSpot provides in-depth reviews, buyer's guides, online forums, and more, giving professionals the confidence to make the right buying decision. For more info, check out marketing.peerspot.com. And to keep getting this show in your podcast feed, every time a new episode drops, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.